following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Welcome to Main Street Today, a podcast or what we describe as radio on demand. Music, lifestyle, business, sports, feel-good stories about you and where you live. I'm Devin O'Day, and I'll be your host for this shareable show. For more on each story, you can subscribe and visit us at MainStreetMediaTN.com. Follow us on Facebook and reach out to me if you have a story. Main Street Today starts now. It is with my great joy and my just, it is my honor to spend some time recording um, just some time in history with Jimmy Wayne. It is, it is a big, big day coming up because we're celebrating Paper Angels. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good, Devin. How are you? Uh, I'm fabulous. It is a, it is Christmas, but you know what? Christmas you come from um, a past, a history uh, with the foster care system, and we talk about the Salvation Army and those red kettles and those angel trees. When was it that you wrote Paper Angels? I wrote Paper Angels with uh, the co-writer Don Sampson in 2001. It was the first song I wrote after I'd gotten signed uh, to DreamWorks Nashville records. Um, I wanted to give back to the organization and to the people who gave to me first. Um, It was the Salvation Army that provided me my first guitar in 1987. I had just gotten out of the the custody of the state of North Carolina and and, uh, man, what a hard time in life. It was so incredibly hard but that little guitar they gave me just gave me a place to escape. And I, I just would sit on the bed at my sister, Patricia, and her husband I'd, at their trailer because they had taken me in. And I would sit in that little bedroom with those paneling walls. And I just remember holding that guitar and noodling around with it in a, one of those Mel Bay guitar instruction mm-hmm. books, trying to learn chords. and. You know, I didn't think I was going to get a guitar. Actually, my social worker, Carla Moore was her name at the time. Carla Moore Foy is her uh, married name. Um, It was her who asked me, she said, what what do you want for Christmas? And and I was not used to getting anything for Christmas. And I'm not trying to um, play the sympathy card. Mm. I'm just telling you that what was going on in my life. I was in the system. I was in the foster care system. And my sister had already gotten married. She got married at a very young age um, and was forced to do so. But she took me in and, and the, on the way there, um, my my social worker asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And mm-hmm. I don't know what made me say guitar because it was such a huge ask for where I was in my life because, you know, I was a homeless kid and I Asking for a guitar was like asking someone for a Lamborghini or something. I mean, it was just, I was like, you know, it was I'd a like big deal. A, it was a huge deal. Wow. And I said, I'd like to have a guitar. She signed me up for the Salvation Army Angel Tree program. And, you know, I was used to that program. My mom had signed me and my sister up to that program many times when we were kids. But all of a sudden she showed up at the trailer 
carrying a a guitar and it, wow. it said this is yours i mean it just brings me to man i tell you it just <clears throat> changes your life you know and i think about it and i'm going to play a little bit of your story about your keynotes because I want people to look at a few of your accomplishments. There's a video you put together a few years ago about your speaking, but it really brings us to kind of where we are today. Hello, I'm Jimmy Wayne. I am so thankful for the opportunities I've been given to share my music with so many amazing fans all over the world for the past 18 years. These fans gave me a chance to perform Madison Square Garden. They gave me the opportunity to perform on the Grand Ole Opry Show at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. These fans helped me make a dream come true. A dream that started when I was just a kid laying in bed at the group home, the foster home, the receiving home, listening to my music and saying to myself, I'm going to make it. And when I do, I'm not going to forget where I come from. <laughs> that you think about the impact of that guitar that paper angel on a tree and God just going, here's a lightning bolt. I'm putting it all together. And you've performed on the Opry over 200 times now. 224 times. And that platform has given me a chance to share my story and, you know, the song paper angels to hundreds and thousands of people uh, Mm. right there in the Grand Ole Opry house or the Ryman auditorium. And through WSM, through the radio airways, and I mean, you personally have shared it with hundreds of thousands of people for mm. so many years. And we're talking 20 years. People all over the world has heard this song. And um, it was the radio, all the radio stations that yeah. made this song such a huge success because initially the record label was not going to uh, release Paper Angels. And that's not, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying that was just the plan. They, they said this that, is we not, hear that story all the yeah. time where they go, no, they want two minutes of happy. Yeah. They yeah. want up-tempo positive. They want, we all have heard those stories, yeah. but the truth is this song was meant to be there and it was meant to change lives. How did it become this movie with up TV? Well, um, when Don Sampson and I wrote the song paper angels, um, it didn't make the album. So, um, it was Scott Bruschetta who who said, you need to write a bridge for that song. So we had already recorded <laughs> the first and second verse uh, in a professional recording studio. So that's like $20,000 already invested in this song without a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so chances of us getting to go back in and re-record this song was not going to happen. However, I went into the record label and I just, I mean, I was in there every day just telling Scott, man, this song is so important. I promise you, this song is, is so important. And he's like, all right, we're going to do this. And we went back in the studio and they allowed me to tack on the bridge to the song. So when you hear the song, you don't know that that's two-part recording session. No, you don't. <laughs> no. So thank God. I mean, the song, then he said, you know, Jimmy, it's not in the plan to, this is not going to happen, release, we're not releasing this. We'll let you put it on the album, but not to release it. Okay. However, when I did my 10 month radio tour, when I was promoting uh, stay gone, my first single, I love you this much. And, and um, I'd always play paper angels at the end of each visit. Cause I, I was just, I knew this Ooh. song was so important mm-hmm. 
And so by the time it got around to the Christmas season holiday, a lot of radio stations remembered that song and they started yep. playing it. Then it just became like the, you know, they, they just said, Hey guys, we're going to play the song. The record label said, I guess it's going to be your next single. <laughs> and then during uh, fast forward to 2010 when I was planning my walk. Well, when I was already walking from Nashville to Phoenix, I did a walk where I walked from Nashville to Phoenix, Arizona to raise awareness for foster children who are aging out of foster care every year in America into homelessness, sex trafficking. I mean, prison. It was on the seventh day of the walk. Um, a, uh, a, an author, his name is Travis Thrasher. He called me, a random guy, asking me for money. And um, I was like, who is this? And he's like, man, I'm broke. And I, I just, I know you, you have a lot of money and I, and he got me so good. And I'm like, I like this guy. He is the funniest guy. It was a prank call. Yeah. However, however he said, no, for real, I'm Travis Thrasher and I'd like to write with you and let's write paper angels. I was like, okay. So we wrote paper angels as I'm walking halfway across America. We did it by the phone. And then after the book was released, here I am with a song and a book, and I thought, this thing needs to be a movie. And I, after I had spun or spent my wheels, if you will, in Nashville, trying to get everyone to do something with this book and song, I was just hitting walls left and right. And just one evening, I decided to go on LinkedIn, of all places, and I saw this lady's name, and it said, movie director and producer and i thought well i'm just going to give it a shot <laughs> i'm just going to give it a shot and i just said hey my name is jimmy wayne and i've got a song that was big it's a country song and i've got a book you need to read and she said she responded like a couple of days and she said will you send me a copy well this was during a time when after i had gotten back from my walk and you know things were changing in my life and all the business stuff was changing so of course i said gosh, I just don't have the resources to be sending out all these books. Do you mind ordering a copy? Because <laughs> well, people it. don't understand. They're expensive. Oh, That's what, she, when someone says, I'm going to send you a book, I'm going, no, save that. I'm an author too. So I get how much yeah. that costs. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, she on a spec it. deal, you got to say, would you please order it? <laughs> she ordered it and she read it. And not only that, she called me back and she said, we'd love to make a movie out of your book. Oh, and uh, coming up this weekend, celebrating this movie, this story, this song. Oh, my goodness. We're going to all in the Oldham Theater is presenting a movie screening at 1030 in the morning in Winchester, Tennessee. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Anybody can go, anybody can go. And it's an important, important time because it's their anniversary, their 20 years, your 20 years, it's of Paper Angels. But I want to commend you because of your work. Now the age, I know in North Carolina, it's been changed, but all across America, they're moving that aging out to the age of 26 for well, kids. Well, 21 in Nashville and and the way that's the, the way that looks on the way it looks on paper, if you will, that's uh, they extended foster care in Tennessee, California, 
I mean, 23 states to, total to from 18 to 21. So you used to when a kid reached 18 years old or young, um, they would just age out. And 20 percent of the children who age out immediately, instantly become homeless. 20 percent. There's 30,000 mm. children, 30,000 a year in America that age out each year. And 20% of those are immediately homeless. 49% of that 30,000 is females. So we're talking like 49% of that, of those children of that 30,000 is females. And one, uh, see what the statistic is, is within the first year, 50% of them become pregnant within that first year. 81% of sex trafficked children were recipients of the foster care system. I mean, it is such a crisis in which right here we can, we can do something about it. So I'm trying to get every state to extend foster care because what that will do, first of all, it is about the money. The state wants it to know how much it's going to cost. Guess what? It's not going to cost you anything. In fact, they've done the research. Um, you, there's a $2.60 return on every dollar invested. Mm -hmm. You save money by doing this. Why? Because, well, one out of four ends up incarcerated within two years. Mm. You, you're talking about a 50% of the females who end up pregnant. Now you got two children to care for through the welfare system. So if you extend it, just extend it for three years and, and offer minimum resources. Now, we're not talking like handouts to kids that don't want to mm. help themselves because you either have to have a job or you have to be in school. Wow. And you and you you're helping a child become uh, transition into adulthood and become a productive citizen. How do I know that's true? Because I have met some of these children face to face. I literally just met a kid at the TBI conference in Nashville. And mm. he said to me right in my face from I mean, this car, he said, thanks, man, for doing that walk, because I was getting ready to turn 18 and mm. I would have been homeless. And he got three additional years to get himself together. And now he has a wife, a family, he has a job. He works for the state. I mean, meeting these kids and hearing their stories and them saying, how that walk, you know, that little thing that I did, I mean, it's just amazing. It truly is amazing. And it's when people, good people do something yeah. that lives are changed. And I almost can't talk about it because it, it, it's so huge. And I think about the, the number of children right now, did you know, and you, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the number of prison beds that are funded is based in direct correlation to the number of kids that go into foster care. Yes. And that is a travesty and it is wrong. And you start thinking it's as simple as a paper angel, but as big as changing legislation. And we've got to do something. And I think about what you have done and God looks for good men who are willing to say yes. And I know one, his name is Jimmy Wayne and you're changing the story and you speak at corporate events and you are changing this for the lives of these children. And we shouldn't have to deal with women in human trafficking or men in human trafficking, but 
what do you do when you're 18 years old and you're saying bye? That's right. Because you know what? I mean, if I could go back to being, you know, 17 years old and homeless, I was homeless when I was 16. If someone had come to me and said, there's a way out of this, I would have asked how. I mean, because when you're a kid, when you're hungry, when you're homeless and no one is helping you, everyone turns their back because it's just. If someone says, hey, man, if you, you know, if you do this deal, this drug run, you can make a thousand dollars all in a heartbeat because you don't have any other resource. You know, you you just don't. And, you know, so you got to make some money so you can eat. I was very fortunate. I had an elderly family that took me into their home and gave me a chance. And I was one of the very few kids to ever get this kind of chance and that's why i'm just so passionate because i I know what can happen when you help these kids when you just give them just minimum resources just help them just a little bit and well i know that your book and working with you ken abraham uh fellow author it affected him profoundly now he and his wife have been opening their hearts and their home to children and I want to encourage that, but there's this, this video I found of you that I thought was a sweet moment and I'm going to ask you about it. (laughs) After every day, after Thanksgiving sales, without a bunch of decorations and a paper angel tree. There's artificial smiles on artificial tree limbs Saying what she'd love to have and what to buy for him Who is that youngster and how did that, what happened? Well, first of all, just look at that little kid and it's and just ask yourself or say to yourself, how can a kid with little small elbows, you know, little small arms that long, how can someone abandon him? that's just, it's, it's hard to believe. Um, and it's also amazing that a family would reach into his life and take him in. And you're like, wow, who would ever give that kid up? But that happened. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a, um, one of my keynote presentations in Casper, Wyoming, and the family came out to see the, presentation they brought him because his favorite song was paper angels and oh wow and i just yeah again i'm just like wow man so i said at, at the table his mom i think his mom or his dad uh, was filming that and um he would just sit and listen to the whole song like an adult he just <laughs> little elbow <laughs> <laughs> no it's the sweetest it is the sweetest <laughs> capture of that and i want to encourage everybody how can people You'll know that the answer to this question this Christmas, I want to encourage everybody instead of buying a lot of stuff that somebody in your family doesn't need. I love this beautiful part of paper angels, the movie where she says, let's get, let's get an angel and let's buy them everything they want for Christmas. And the, the husband says, no, I don't think we can afford that because no, this is my Christmas present mm-hmm. for me. And I want to encourage everybody to, to grab an angel off those trees, grab a bunch of them, grab a bunch of them this year and support those kids rather than buying stuff for each other. 
that you don't need that you probably won't even remember, but you know, those kids will remember it. Maybe you buy a guitar for a kid that changes Mm -hmm. their life. What else can we do, Jimmy? What can we do to change the system? Yes. It's there's many organizations and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love the Salvation Army and there's other organizations that's also helping, you know, families and I'll, and uh, there's ministries, there's, there's, um, I, I recently saw a battered women's shelter online where they collected enough money to get this woman who was in the battered women shelter with her children. And she was walking to work and what she did for a living, she cleaned the rooms at a hotel. And I'm like, what a, what a hard life, but they got enough money to get her a used car. So everything you can, you can almost think of a way to help some, someone. And there is a place you can go to and get involved. You can just Google how, how can kids that need help in my community or organizations that serve children in my community. And it'll pop up everything. You know, all those organizations will pop up, but the Salvation Army is is where I go because it's who helped me when I was a kid, me and my sister and my mom. But I, I help a lot of organizations out there who are helping kids and families. And there's so many. And I'll just say, if you can get if you can do anything to help um, any of these organizations, you know, they all ask for donations and it's because they have to keep the lights on. You know, they have to, you know, pay the resources. One- one of the things that I wanted to ask too, um, there are, there's somebody watching today, tonight, whenever someone's watching this and they're going to look into their own lives, something's been tugging on their heart to become a foster parent. Now you mentioned people that were older that took you in. Mm. There are a lot of people right now who are older and they've got time, they've got room and they have wisdom that they could impart to a kid and the people that took you in and were life-changing for you, would you call them wealthy? Did they have a lot of money? No, they were, they were, um, you know, very just, I mean, they were, in, they were 75 and 79 years old. Wow. And he was a World War II veteran and she was um, a war, a war wife. Um, she stayed home and kept the house going, which is a, an incredible feat. She had kids she had to take care of. She had the, the store. They had a little store they took care of. But they were just hard workers, and they were very, very humble. I never, ever heard her be, because Russell, he passed away three months after they allowed me to move into their home. He was su- suddenly diagnosed with terminal cancer and just passed away. But um, mm-hmm. I stayed with her six years, and wow. she never once ever bragged about what she did or had done for anyone. She just served. She just served. That's all she ever did. And when she passed away at her um, service or or, um, funeral, if you will, I was at the church and it was a little small country church in my hometown. And, you know, in small town America, you you practically know everyone and you know their business. Mm -hmm. But I was at the front of the church looking down from the altar over her casket and I looked out in the congregation and I saw this packed church, but I saw people in this church that I had never seen before. And I was like, hmm. so I, after the service, I asked her daughter, I was like, Hey, um, who is that? And she said, Oh, that's such and such. That's mom and dad took her in when she was a, a young girl. And 
and <clears throat> that's her family now. Uh-huh. And I was like, who is that? And she's like, oh, that's such and such. Mom and dad took him in back in the early 80s, and, and, and now that's his family. So all these people was in this church that they had helped and never talked about it. So, yeah, um, being young, being, you know, uh, you know, older, uh, there's many ways we can help. You know, I hope to someday have a house full of, you know, kids that need help. I mean, I wish we didn't have to do all that, but that's what I hope to do. That's um, the truth. Let's look at the last part of our story is your, your love of your biological mother who uh, you, who you lost. There's a place of forgiveness. There's a place of, of just looking at them as a human being. And you have such compassion in your heart for this human being that brought you into the world. Tough right there. That's, mm-hmm. that's, um, I miss her so much. Um, we had a very, uh, I mean, the, the tough life together. I mean, my mom, I didn't know it at the time, but she was suffering with a severe bipolar disorder my entire life. And there was a lot of things that she did that um, affected me and my sister for the rest of our lives. I mean, that's the reason my sister got married when she was 14 is my mom made her get married at, at 14 years young to an older man in the trailer park. I mean, she had just gotten out of prison and um, she, that was her second time in maximum security prison. She's always making these very radical decisions and, and mm-hmm. it was just, they never made sense. And the hurtful things that she did. And I think the most, one of the most hurtful things that she did was when she got out of prison, she made my sister get married, but then she turned around and married a man who committed a crime. And so he took me and my mom with him on this long run that entire summer from the law. When I slept in this car, I mean, he was driving, my mom was in the passenger seat and I'm in the back seat, you know, kind of just wiggled my way into a little cubby of all the dirty clothes here. And we're just dodging the law from state to state and, stopping at rest areas at night and that's where we'd sleep and the following morning we'd fill up the gas tank and then take off without paying and it was like bonnie and clyde with a kid you know we headed all the way to oklahoma city south to waco texas and then back east to pensacola florida and that's where my stepdad pulled into a parking lot in the middle of the night it was around one o'clock in the morning and he made me get out of the car and my mom was at the trunk of the car already and she was just weeping and I was like, what's wrong, mom? And she, she said, you need to get your stuff out of the trunk. And she kissed me on the face and I am standing there with my, my the stuff. And she got back in the car with him and they drove away. And mm-hmm. that, that you really can't, <clears throat> you can't put that kind of pain into words. No, that kind there are No that kind of uh, sadness is so heavy and overwhelming at times, even throughout my life, I think about it and it just, it just breaks, breaks my heart that she made that decision, but she did. And, you know, I ended up spending the rest of my childhood in and out of the system and 
you know, I made it back to North Carolina and was picked up by the police. Long story, but it wasn't until that walk across America where I, I was just, you know, in the middle of the desert. I was about 65 miles from Phoenix, Arizona, maybe a little longer, further away. And, and I was thinking about mom and I was just thinking about all of the neglect and the abandonment and the abuse, just all of that stuff. And I was just so mad. I was just so, oh, sorry. <laughs> the lamp over here. I was just so. It was perfect timing. Yes. I was just so overwhelmingly just mad. And I'm out there. And, and when you're walking across America, there's nothing else to do but walk and think. So I had right. seven months to do nothing but think. And I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to, to, to you know, I, I was calling his name out. Jesus, man. Your mom didn't leave you. Your mom was right there at the foot of the cross when they were killing you, when they were nailing you to the cross and killing you right in front of your mother. She never left your side. She she couldn't do anything about it, but she didn't turn away. She didn't leave. I'm like, dadgummit, my mom left me at a bus station. My mom left me this time. Mom, mom, blah. And I'm like, why couldn't my mom be like your mom? And Devin, I heard his voice speak to me so clearly. He said to me, I'll never forget it. I was standing on the crest of uh, getting ready to go down the Beeline Highway out of Payson, Arizona. And he said to me, I'm not trying to get your mother to be like mine. I'm trying to get you to be like me. That was it. And I knew then I I said, okay, that means I have to forgive her because that's the whole reason he's on the cross is dying for our sins. And I said, that's what I got to do. I have to forgive her. And that was the moment I forgave her. And I've never, ever, ever looked back. I've never said anything contrary to what I'm telling you right now. I came back to North Carolina. I went to North Carolina. And I hugged my mom and I told her that I was sorry for just being the way I was and being and, and not trying to, to understand why she made all of those radical decisions. And, 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 and I realized, mom, you just suffered with this. And they finally got her on some medication. She, she turned into such a quote unquote normal human being and was not out of her mind and she could carry a conversation. She was happy. We spent so much time together and I treated her like a queen. I mean, every chance I got to spend with her, I spent the entire day with her. I drove her to the ice cream, Tony's ice cream in my hometown. I'd take her to wherever she wanted to go. If she wanted to go, she'd say to me, I need to go buy some bras. I'd take her bra shopping. It, I mean, <laughs> My mom, I did everything for her that I could think of doing for her. And then on October 22nd of 2019, I got a phone call and that she had um, fallen asleep. And she, that was it. She didn't wake up. But I'm, I'm so thankful that I forgave her and that she did not go to sleep knowing that I had any kind of 
hatred or unforgiveness in my heart for her. She knew for a fact, if there's one person on this earth who really loves me unconditionally, it's my son. Oh, that was it. Thank you for sharing that because mm -hmm. this is a season while it's got joy and peace and little toy trains, <laughs> it's got the biggest heartbreak, the biggest hurts, the unforgiveness that is out there. And if Jimmy's story can tell anybody something, it's the power of forgiveness and what it can do to be lifted. And I don't think there's anybody out there with a story quite like yours, but I encourage everybody read Walk to Beautiful. Let it touch you like it has me. And pick up an angel this year. Pick up an angel this year. Pick up a bunch of angels. <laughs> open your heart. And, and maybe you've got a home that you could open up to a child. Because that little kid in that video that we saw, there's one like that. But I've always been called to help the, the older kids. They always have those little kids and they go, oh, from zero to six or from zero to 12 or whatever. And I think about that 16-year-old that wants a guitar. Mm. And um, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your mission in this world. And thank you for the anointing that you have said yes to. Thank you for supporting my career all <laughs> for so many years, since the beginning. I couldn't do it without you. And, yeah. you know, it was you and all the other radio stations out there was, was I had a voice, but you magnified and, and, and multiplied that my voice to so many millions of people. And I mean, it just, uh, I can't thank you enough. And I appreciate this opportunity. To to God bless you. Well, I, I want to leave this open. If you, do you want to play your song live? Or, oh, I can. Yeah. Let me, you um, know, sure. I can do it right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, you know, I know you might want to grab it and tune up or whatever, and we'll just, you know, but knowing you, it's probably all ready. Yeah, let me, uh, let me find my guitar pick. I got a, I have a guitar pick here somewhere. There well, is I, a, there's like a law that if you ask somebody to play that you'll have 25 guitar picks and they all go missing at the same time. Well, that's one of those times. So I'll have to do yeah. it. I'll have to do it like this. Make sure I don't hit this lamp. This lamp belonged to B. And um, so it's from the 1940s or the 1950s. And okay. yeah, her family gave it to me. So I don't want to mess that lamp up. If you know what I mean? Oh, so, absolutely. And, and I'm going to give you the full screen here. So. All right. After every day, after Thanksgiving sells, the malls just ain't complete. Without a bunch of decorations and a paper angel tree, there's artificial smiles on artificial tree limbs, saying what she'd love to have and what to buy. Well, I hope Maggie likes her new winter clothes and her buggy with the baby doll. And maybe Tom a smile in his new Nike shoes when he shoots that basketball. Can't help but wish it. I could do more. 
Not just while I'm shopping in the department store. Paper angels my thoughts and prayers. No matter where you are right now, remember God's right there. He's asking all of us to help take care of his paper angels everywhere going through the mail almost every afternoon i see a mom and dad's worst dream they're on the back of a money saving ad to get my carpet clean i'd wait hair eyes date missing and d.o.b child's name a picture and the words have you seen me paper angels in my thoughts and prayers no matter where you are right now remember god's right there he's asking all of us to help take care of this paper angels everywhere his documented bruises fill a folder and a file she's a second grade self-portrait drawn without a smile and every town is littered with this kind of debris we've got to stop this madness it's up to you and me. Paper angels, you're in my thoughts and prayers. No matter where you are right now, remember God's right there. He's asking all of us to help take care of his paper angels everywhere. Paper angels everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere. Just every time it hits me right in my heart and I hope it does everybody else. We're going to close our show the way we always do. Be safe, be kind, but remember most of all that you are loved. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate you very much. One of the things we've probably taken for granted is good old-fashioned communication. There's no one way to reach people. So we here at Main Street are communicating through every means possible to make the messages of our hometown accessible. So whether it's a Facebook video, online news, our traditional newspapers available in newsstands or for an unbelievably affordable subscription price or here in our podcast, something we like to call Radio On Demand. You can follow us, you can subscribe, you can even clip an article and send it to someone in the mail. We are your hometown. We are your Main Street. And don't forget to share. 